Okay, I don't, oh, is it you? Okay, all right. Well, would you stand with us today? We're going to do something beautiful together. I think that, you know, sometimes with church, you can kind of set an expectation of we come in, we sit down, somebody says something, we stand up, we sing a song. And sometimes it can become very rote, right? It can just come, become very predictable. And we kind of disconnect and misunderstand why. Like, oh, why were we doing that? And so this morning we wanted to remember that everything, all of our communion with God is actually that. It's all worship, right? Sometimes we think just to sing a song is worship, but just to be with him is our worship, to be with him. So this morning we've been talking about wanting to say the Lord's Prayer together. And Jesus was very clear in the word about helping us know how to pray. And it's not really about a rote prayer. It's about the heart that he was showing us to have when we commune with the Father. And I, I grew up um, memorizing a lot of my prayers. How many of you grew up memorizing a lot of prayers, right? So you understand what I'm saying? And I loved it because it was something I understood. Like, I, it was predictable, and it was something that I knew how to say. And the beauty of it is that God took that, and he showed me why he would have us say that. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning. We want to say the Lord's Prayer together as community, just as we would worship in any other way. But we want to worship him with praying to him in one accord, because unity is so important in the house of God and in our relationship and in our community. So would you join me? I think the words are going to be, if they're, if it's, yep, yeah, we're great. So we're going to say this, and, and try it in your own heart. Even if you're looking at the words, that's fine. That's why we have them. But to really kind of position your heart, to really be speaking to the Father. All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. See what I mean about sometimes it's like we say a prayer, but we can kind of disconnect from the words that we're saying. And I'm so thankful that God reminds us that our words mean something to him right? I don't know how many of you were taught that your words mean something to the heartbeat of Jesus, but they most certainly do. So thank you for doing that with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, Carla, if you wouldn't mind, can you um, pull the doors closed for me? Thank you. You know, guys, we're going we're gonna to do just something a little different today. I love what Deja said about prayer because prayer is actually worship. Um, prayer, you know, we, we talk about worship all the time, that, that worship is, in, uh, um, is kind of prayer with a B. <laughs> and so sometimes we get into thought processes that I know now is the time that we usually have worship. But what we just did was worship. And we want to continue to make sure that we build um, a, a, a life that understands worship, understands God, and connects with God in so many different ways. Um, and so, you know, we, next look, next week we're going to have worship back uh, up here as well. But we want to continue, as we've been saying over and over again, 
that church isn't meant to be just an experience of a right. moment. It, it's meant to be a time of corporate celebration, but also a time where we become discipled together uh, and grow in love with God at a deeper level. And so there's something powerful, I think, about when we pray together. When we pray together, whether it's that kind of moment where we are praying the Lord's Prayer, because we have to remember, I know for us, the Lord's Prayer has become something where it's like, well, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's become liturgy. But it wasn't when he said it. Right. Yeah. When he said it, he was saying, look, this is a great way to connect to the Father. This is, a, this is the heartbeat of my, of my God. And when we actually begin to get a hold of Jesus' words and proclaim them together, there's power when two or more touch something in the name of Jesus. So even though uh, for some of us we may have been raised to repeat that over and over again and it may have become liturgical, can I really encourage you, never allow the word of God, especially the things Jesus has said, right. to actually lose its value because right. that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to lose the value of what Jesus has said um, by marginalizing it into those things. Mm. So, yeah, look, uh, we're, we, we've been saying the whole time over this last year and a half, um, church is going to be different. Church is going to be different. Church is going to be different. Today is just yeah. a different Sunday. And also, so we, we also wanted to let you know that we know that. So for those of this is your first time, this stage does oh, rotate. Yeah. It does rotate. <laughs> um, and so what we're going to be doing is because we know if you, if you happen to be here last week, um, I struggled a little bit while I was reading and moving. Not my favorite. <laughs> thing. Um, and some other people have struggled with it being in constant motion. So what we're going to do is like every five or so minutes, we're just going to rotate like a quarter of the way. <laughs> and then five minutes. So at some point, we will be looking right at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to do we it promise. a lot slower so that everybody feels like, oh, this I can handle and that you're not at a carnival on a ride that you can't get <laughs> off of. All Although right? I do like the carnival rides. I, I, you're on your own on that. I'm a fan. Uh, we, um, as Dee and I were just saying, you know, we, we, today for us is a little bit of a different Sunday, um, but it's intentional. And one of the things that we've been intentional about is making sure that we can grow in understanding the time. Understanding that um, when we come to the Word of God, we don't come to it outside of time. We come to it inside of time. That we have to understand seasons and how seasons affect the way that we uh, see things and the way that we apply things in our life. And so for Dee and I, we wanted to take a little bit extra time this morning to, to explain and maybe put some perspective on the times that we're in. Uh, is anyone else freaked out a little bit by the times that we're in, or are you just like, oh, it's all good, right? Sometimes we're just a little bit freaked out by the times that we're in. And so we've got to recognize, we want to help recognize that the times that we're in are in the Bible. Yeah. Because sometimes we talk about Bible times, but what we have to understand is the Bible is in our time. And it will really help us to understand that when we, when we, when we grab a hold of some of this. And um, you know, for uh, over a year, Danielle and I have really been wrestling with and talking through, um, and, and much longer for her. I want to be really honest. For me, it's taken me a little bit of time to get on this, uh, to grab a hold of this in fullness. Not because I have not believed in what I'm going to talk about, but because I think maybe there's always this optimism in me that, well, I know that's true, but I hope something different's coming. 
And what, we want, what we've been talking about in the last year or so is really understanding the seasons that we're in in life as a country, as a people, as a world, is what the Bible describes as labor pains. Labor pains. The labor pains before Jesus comes. That these pains, and every, every lady in here who's had a child understands that the labor pains increase. Come on, somebody. The closer that the child, uh, anybody, hey, hey, I haven't had a baby. I'm just being, I was there when this, well, for a while I was there. And then I went and got a milkshake. That's a different story. And yet such an important story. No, it's not. No, we'll tell it later. But there's labor pains and they get more and more because Jesus is coming back. And I think we have to recognize the importance of that. Because it helps set the context for life. Like, like, when we look around today, and I think sometimes as a church in America, we look around at things that are going on and our mouth drops as if we're, ex- like, we can't believe what's happening. And yet it's in the Word. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like uh, there's pestilence and sickness and pandemics, and we go, oh, it's in the Word. When there's hunger and famine, it's in the Word. When, when there's things that are going on, like, uh, wars and wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters that are increasing. Has anyone noticed there's been a natural increase in disasters lately? Like, like, like there's, there was a tornado in New Jersey. I lived here all my life, never until the last couple of years, right? The, the, the ice caps are melting. There's earthquakes. and sh- the, the, oh, We saw this the other day. The ocean is on fire. If you saw that and did not think Jesus is coming back, we've got an it, right? Come on. The ocean is on fire, but we should be surprised. It's in the Bible. When we talk about oppressive governments and narcissistic leaders, it's in the Bible. When we talk about generation against generation, and the Bible talks about nation against nation, and actually those Greek words are ethnos against uh, ethnos versus ethnos, ethnicity versus Ethnicity. Mm-hmm. When there's racial divides and strife, we should understand that it's in the Word of God, in the context of labor pains of what we're talking about. The Bible says, "Brother will uh, son will rise up against father, mother against daughter." That there will be a great leaving of the church, a, a great people, a generation that doesn't want to have anything to do with God. When we look around and we say these things and we read these things, it should not surprise us because it's in the Bible. Now, why am I saying that? Because we have to understand it. it context matters. Can we agree context matters? Like, 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 like context matters when you come to a message. Because I know I've told this story before, but when Jake, my son, was little, he used to be afraid of the, the, the water. So uh, I would get into the pool, and Jake would stand on, on the deck of the pool, and I'd stretch out my arms, and I'd say, Jake, come on, jump in. I'll catch you. And after a few moments, he'd, he'd build up the courage, and he'd jump in. And I'd catch him, and we'd spin around, and he'd laugh, and he'd get all wet. Now, how many of you know that if he decided not to jump in, what's the big deal? All right, he may not have learned how to swim, and maybe he wouldn't have got cooled off or refreshed for that day. But the context of that isn't that big of a deal. However, if Jake, my son, was trapped in a five-story building that was on fire, and I was standing outside the window that he was in with my arms outstretched saying, Come on, jump to me, I'll catch you. 
How many of you know the sense of urgency in which he heard the message would be different? Right. Right. My friends, context matters. D and I are not trying to help us make sure everybody just simply gets to heaven. Our goal is for everybody to get to heaven because that's the heartbeat of God. But we also want to help you to stand in the time when the labor pains come. Because the context of the verse we're going to talk about today, and if you, since I know so many of you have your Bible, I don't have mine, I'm going to hold up Danielle's. Because <laughs> again, I can't see my Bible unless it's on here. Yeah, yeah. The context of this verse uh, found in Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament. The context is this. That there's a fire going on. That judgment is coming. Matter of fact, just a few verses before this, a few chapters in Luke chapter 3, it gives context at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, look, the axe is already at the root of the tree. And any tree that does not bear good fruit, he's going to cut down and throw into the fire. That is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry. Same message. And what we're going to see why that's so important is that if we understand something, if we just take a moment to be honest about our lives, where we are, if a pandemic, if a pandemic that maybe made us uncomfortable, maybe made us have to wear masks, maybe not be able to see as many people, maybe not be able to meet in church as regularly as we wanted to, but didn't have any persecution, mm -hmm. didn't make Christianity illegal, there was no arrests, no torture, no beheadings. By the way, all those things are in the Bible. If that could cause us to question God, if that could cause us to make church an option, if that could cause us to begin to think, well, you know, me and God, we're good just the way that I'm. I'm good. He's good with me. I'm good. Or maybe even worse, walk away from God. If a pandemic can do that, what will the fire do? We are not trying to just get you to heaven. We're trying to help you to stand when the fire comes. Amen. Amen. Because your floor may not be on fire yet, but the building is. Mm -hmm. The building's on fire. And if you have been around Connect for a while, this isn't something that we talk about normally, but we've got to understand the times because context matters. My friends, I'd love to tell you that we were just in a pool and I just want you to jump in so that you can be cooled off and have a little bit of a better day. But with all good conscience, we can't do that. We have to tell you what we believe is the truth. The building's on fire. Your floor might not be yet, but the building is. There is a sense of urgency to the message. Dee's going to talk about it in a minute, but I want to read the text. How are we doing? We all right? Mm-hmm. I, look, can I be honest about this? When I came to this scripture and we were talking about it, like this hit like, like this this week. It was just like, yep, this is what we're supposed to talk about. There was something powerful because usually when you look at this, you can look at it one of two ways. You can see this verse and say, oh, I know I got to just do better and be better. Or you could be like, oh, my gosh, God's so mad at me because I'm not doing something. And I want us to understand there's a heartbeat of God towards you in this. And the heartbeat of God is simply this. 
I am a patient God. There is, but understand the times. Mm-hmm. I am a patient God, but understand the times. Right. The Bible says this. This is Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 6. He said, Jesus also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit. Say fruit. fruit. You can underline that. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up good soil? But the, vi- the, but the keeper of the vineyard answered and said to him, sir, let it alone for this one year until I dig around it and I fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, we can cut it down. Jesus was talking in his day to Israel, but he was also talking to us. And we're going we're gonna to un, un, unpack this a little bit today even more. Dee's going to take a moment to unpack it from the encouragement she's given me over the last couple of years about understanding the time a little bit differently and seeing it from a different perspective. Because I'm not talking about missing the rapture. I'm not talking about missing heaven. Heaven is a deal that is done when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. I'm talking about standing in the midst of every season. And if this is one of your first times with us, being with us, whether you're online with us or whether you're in the room with us, I just want you to understand um, a little bit about me personally so that you can understand the mouthpiece that is uh, coming with this word today. Um, I grew up in a church uh, when when my father had gotten saved. He he immediately found a Bible-based, Bible-believing church. And we were planted into that church. And as I've said before, the things of the Spirit of God were not odd to me. Sometimes when you, uh, if you, if you're established in a church, a lot of times you'll realize that a church is comfortable with God the Father. We talk a lot about God the Father. Uh, We talk about um, a lot of times rules. A lot of times when we talk a lot about God the Father, we become very connected to the rules. Uh, and I'm actually the type of person that gets comfortable with that because then I know yeah, you're, the deal. You're, 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 a rule, you're a rule person. I am. Yeah, and a um, list. Like a list, I, person. list person and yeah. rule person, meaning so, like I, I, so I don't feel like I have to figure something out. I know what something is. It's black and white. And then sometimes there's churches that are very Jesus-focused, and they connect very much with Jesus in the Bible and that part of the nature of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So they connect with him a lot more uh, um, on, an, uh, on a human level, on an emotional level. And um, although that's a very understanding Jesus that he came in human flesh and that he was fully God and fully man is very helpful in us to be able to connect to him as a being. But if we only connect to that part of the Godhead, yep. then we are in danger of missing out on understanding the total person. It's kind of like just knowing one aspect of God, right? You're in a relationship, and they think they know one part of you, but they don't know all the parts of you, and you wish to feel truly understood is to be understood on all the sides of yourself. And with the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit was very much a part of the church that I grew up in, and not in an odd way. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit 
gets, a, gets a question mark above him, so we just kind of like, <laughs> I don't really know what that's about, but, and for me, the Holy Spirit was made understandable to me just as much as Jesus, just as much as God. And so when uh, I read things in the Word about the prophetic, it's not odd to me because it's a portion of who God is. Yeah, so good. Do you understand? It's an actual part of his being. It's not just uh, an activity that some people do that are a little bit more out there. Yeah. It's a person. It's just understanding another side of him. And for several years now, um, I have, well, for my whole life, I, have, I believe that one of the gifts on my life is the gift of discernment. Some of you understand that because some, for some of you, you have that gift of discernment. It's a shorthand. It's like a spiritual shorthand. You just kind of know the deal. You know, you, you got your, your, you know, your, your finger on that heartbeat before anybody has to really explain it. You understand the situation. You understand a person. You try to explain it to somebody else. They don't get it. You don't understand why they don't get it because they don't have that gift. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a, that's why we can't take any credit for it. It's a spiritual impartation. And along with that comes sometimes uh, deposits, a prophetic deposit. And many times over the years, I think I've counted now, in the last six to seven years, I've, I've had nine dreams that I absolutely knew when they were occurring and when I woke up that they were prophetic. And they were always for the church. Yep. Oh, they were always for the church. And somehow, in the midst of that dream, I would have understanding of what was taking place because it was often like an analogy. So uh, there have been times where I've explained pieces of that to the church, um, and there's sometimes that I've held it because I haven't known what God would have me do with it. And honestly, I don't know the answer to that, which is why I hold certain things until I get extreme True. clarity from the Spirit of God because I feel that that's what stewardship looks like. You know, if, some, if God decides to put a piece, a piece of himself inside of you, then you have to really un think about and ask him what he wants you to do with that. And this morning what I want to do is I want to share one of those dreams with you um, because we believe that it is connected to the life of the church True. and to the word that we're sharing this morning and that it's time that we start to understand that the Spirit of God speaks to us. You don't have to ask for him to expect for him to speak to you through other people. He will speak to your spirit because deep calls unto deep. Yes. And this is a dream that shook me very deeply, uh, but I believe that there is understanding for us to gain, which is why we're taking time this morning to talk about the things that we're talking about. Correct. Because otherwise, we just, we just say, um, oh, that church talks about this stuff. And that church over there talks about that stuff. And some people s talk more about this, and some people do more of that. But what we truly believe is that the mouthpiece of God is, is shouting to us. He is not hidden. He is not yep. hiding himself right now. So we have to make it normal to talk about the things that he's sharing because he's sharing himself. And the dream that I had was I was on, it was, I, I was in Cherry Hill, and if, if you grew up back in the day on, on one of our roads here, there used to be something called the Good News Bible Bookstore. Yeah. Right next to Morristown Mall. And, and, well, no, well, oh, the Cherry yeah, Hill one. Yeah, 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 yeah. not Sunshine. So the Good Sunshine. News Bible Bookstore, and I was in front of that 
and I knew that I was in front of that on a reason, like for a reason, I knew God was locating me. And I was alone and I was in a car and a storm that I have never seen in pictures, in, in movies, in anything, we were in the middle of it. And there were, the sky was a purple and a red that I have never seen in real life. It was, they were colors that I could not possibly point out to myself or to anyone in today's day and age. And the sky was, it was daytime, but it looked completely as night. And there were sounds in the air that I've never heard as well. And I knew that it was the day of the Lord. And I was driving and I had a very real understanding that if I was to stop, I was at a point where because of where we were in that day, no one would let me into their store. And I remember knowing no one would let me into their basements. In other words, there was no place to take cover anymore. It was happening and I was in the middle of it. And I remember getting out of my car and knowing that in the natural, you're not supposed to do this, but I got out of my car and I opened my mouth and I had no idea in my dream what, why I was doing that or what I was going to say. And I began to speak in the spirit and I began to not pray that I would be spared because I knew there was no sparing. I was declaring the name of the Lord in the spirit. And then suddenly I was, I was on the phone with my father because this whole dream in this whole dream, I was trying to get to my actual father's house. Mm. And it wow. in my dream, I, he was m- his old home in my dream was one mile away from where I was. And I was very aware that I was supposed to pay attention to the fact that I was only a mile away from the Lord's home. Wow. And so I called him on the phone. And he was as calm as I could ever imagine him being, but I knew that he was also in the midst of what I was seeing. And he said to me, and I was telling him, Dad, I'm trying to come home, but this storm is going to come, it is what it is. And he said to me, didn't they say it was just supposed to be a small storm? Didn't they say that it was just barely nothing? And the way that he said it made me understand that we were a people unaware of what was about to happen. And that we, ha- we thought we understood, oh, this is just going to be a really bad storm. Yep. We're going to have some flood damage. There's going to be some tree limbs down. But the tone in which he said it to me, I realized that everyone, including myself, was unaware of the time. And then in my dream, I heard my son's voice. And I never saw him. But in my dream, I immediately knew that his voice rep- represented the Spirit of God. And this is what he said. I said, then I was back in the car as an apocalyptic type weather was swirling. Hold on one second, sorry. And I heard Jake's voice say, even though I never saw him, she can't believe she missed it. And at this point, I understand two things. I understood that Jake represented the Holy Spirit. And I understood, I understood, I had a picture of who he was talking about. And I said, who are you, who are you talking about? And he named the person who is no longer on this earth. And he said, she's been packed and she's been ready to go every day. But she went to sleep 
and she missed it. And I then saw that person standing there so incredibly distraught. And she was holding all of these old suitcases. And she was sobbing. And then Jake's voice said, what did, and, I said to him, and I said, what did she miss? And Jake said, she missed Jesus coming back. And I knew in the dream that that woman represented the church and that the church believed it was all ready to go, meaning I got my salvation, I'm going to be with Jesus when I live my life and my life comes to an end, I'm all done and then I'm going to be with him. Instead of realizing that we don't get to say if that is really us living in a state of being awake or asleep. God was the one that said, She's been, meaning his bride, she's been dressed and ready, but she fell asleep, and she missed it. And that is why we're sharing today, not because of one dream, but because of a continuation of what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us. We have to understand the time that we are in. We are not only in a racial implosion. We are not only in a health implosion. We are not only in an an economic implosion. We are not only in a a political, we are, these are signs. These are outward expressions of what could very easily distract us in the natural if our spirit is not pointing toward him in things that we cannot see. And church, the last thing I want to say is this, is that we might want to claim that we're alive, we're awake, we know what's going on, we got it, we're going to be great, we're going to be standing. But in one of those dreams that I had, there was, it was again, the end days, and there was an attack coming toward me, and I knew that I represented believers, and I would speak to the, the attacks coming, And there was an incredible authority that was coming out of me that I have never felt in real life. And I would turn to the rest of the church and I would say to them, don't you realize it can only be God. It can only be God because in myself, you know me, I don't have any authority like that. And not a single person was phased. They weren't phased by what they had seen. They weren't phased by what I was saying. And the reason, and then what I realized in that moment was this, is that everything that we pour into ourselves, a lot of times as a church, we teach, we teach each other that it's only so that we can go and share the gospel, which is very true. Our lives need to be sharing. Our lives need to be testifying. We need to be testifying yep. and all of the rest of that. But church, we are pouring into our spirits right now. So on the days that are coming, we actually can simply stand. When the word talks about putting on the full armor of God, what does it say? Stand. So then you stand. Who dresses in all of that armor not to go into battle? It's going to be a battle. To stand is going to be a battle. That requires that kind of armor. And it's not only going to be, because there's going to be a time, church, where that door does close. And it's going to need to be something that fuels us to be able to stand. It's good. She was, uh, she was packed and ready, fell asleep. 
Throughout the word of God, we see it time and time again, don't we, that, the, that, that God says to his people, to his bride, uh, arise, wake up. Um, and and he's, he's talking about a spiritual awakening. Um, and and I, think, I think that's where we are. This, and, and maybe for some of you today, you could just be like, I, I, man, I'm good, I've been awake, I'm fine. But maybe for some of the rest of us, this can spark something to, to really begin to maybe identify where we are uh, in the midst of of, of this uh, of this journey of the season because here in Luke 13 when when Jesus is saying uh, the master keeps coming and looking for fruit but has found none he's been coming for three years uh, I, I don't want us to miss the heartbeat of God I, I love this story because I love the heartbeat of God in it I mean look at what it says it says for three years he kept coming consistently, repeatedly, he kept showing up. Can I tell you, God is always showing up in your life. God is consistent. God is constant. He is always there. The Bible says he came. He didn't send somebody else. He came. The owner of the vineyard kept showing up time and time and time again. Why? Because God is a relational God. God wants to have a relationship with you and I. He, he's not about vicarious relationship. God doesn't want to have a relationship with you through a saint or through your parents or grandparents or through a church. He wants to have a relationship with you. That's how good our God is. The heartbeat of the Father is I'm going to keep showing up, keep showing up, even if you're fruitless. Come on, somebody. You have, you, there was year one, you didn't have any fruit. Year two, still didn't have anything Jesus God was looking for, and he kept showing up. Showing up. My God doesn't show up because of what we have. My God shows up so that we can have what we have. My God is a God that wants to show up in our lives. However, that relationship has always meant to produce something. It is not just meant to produce heaven. It is meant to produce something in our now. There was an expectation that this relationship was going to produce something in life and that relationship was supposed to produce fruit that being a part of the vineyard it had been in had given this tree by the way tree wood in the bible always represents humanity let the trees of the field clap their hands when you see wood in the bible it always is referring to humanity the ark of the covenant was made out of uh shittim wood i just love saying that word uh shittim wood uh why because it's incorruptible humanity the 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 the, the wood is always symbolizing humanity so what it's saying here is that the that, that you and I as the tree had the advantage of being placed in good soil. You're in good soil today. You had the advantage over the years of being taken care of by the keeper of the vineyard. Jesus has kept showing up for you even when we didn't show up for him. Even when we forsake him, he doesn't forsake us. We have the advantage of those things in our life. And everything that the vineyard keeper and owner brought to you and I was meant to produce something. It's meant to produce fruit. Now, what I think is so amazing about God is that there's never an expectation of God that does not precede an impartation from God. God always, God will never expect something from you he hasn't first empowered you to do. So for some of us, we're like, man, I don't know if I can grow fruit. No, no, no. See, my God will never... My God will never expect something from you that he hasn't first empowered you to do. That's part of being planted in this good soil. The issue that Jesus has with the tree and therefore maybe with us 
is that it did not take advantage of what it was plant, what being planted meant. It never took advantage of what was supposed to happen when it was planted. The goal of being planted in the heartbeat of God, in the kingdom of God, in the vineyard of God, is not simply to go to the heaven of God. It's to produce the fruit of God in our lives. The vineyard keeper wasn't looking. Stay with me, because this is where we need to just, how you doing today? I told Dee yesterday, man, this isn't my spirit, so if I'm a little jumpy in the seat today, you got to help, you got to be with me a little bit, and you might have to help me a little bit, because for, this may not be for you, but maybe it's for a neighbor, so maybe it's a, amen, that neighbor over there needs it. Come on, amen, right? This is, here's what I know, here's what I know. The vineyard keeper was not impressed that the tree was in the vineyard. He wasn't impressed that the tree was in the vineyard. He's the one who planted it there. He planted it in the vineyard. It wasn't a wild fig tree. He planted the fig tree on purpose. There's nothing inside of us that brought us into this kingdom. There's nothing good about us that actually caused us to grow into the place God would have us. There's nothing that we chose that would actually produce this. God planted you in his vineyard. God planted you in good soil. God sent the vineyard keeper actually to make sure that you had what you needed to have to be able to grow. What I love about this is this. Everything was at the vineyard owner's expense. Everything. He paid for everything. The nutrients, the watering, the planting, the upkeep. He paid for everything for this fig tree to be able to grow. My friends, you and I have paid for nothing. But how beautiful is our God that says, I will pay for all, but I'll carry the expense of your salvation. I'll carry the expense of your forgiveness. I'll carry the expense of your empowerment. I'll carry the expense of your redemption. I'll carry the expense of your health. I'll carry the expense of your, your, uh, your, your healing. By my stripes you'll be healed. I'll carry it. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.20 says. Before we get uppity because we're still in church. I'm at least in the vineyard. God's not impressed. He paid the price. But it's not just he who pays the price. And I think this is what we have to grab a hold of. The trees and the rest of the vineyard also pay the price when there's no fruit growing on these trees. Because this barren tree is using up good soil, it's using up good nutrients, it's using up water, it's using up attention from the vineyard keeper, it's, it's actually taking things away, it's not just about what it's not doing, it's what it is actually taking that should be being released. I think the challenge comes that we have to understand that the vineyard owner that the tree that was there placed in the vineyard was meant to be not a simple consumer, but a contributor. My friends, you and I are not meant to simply be consumers of the things of God. My God will always pour out, but it's not. We were never planted in the vineyard so that we could be a consumer. We were planted in the vineyard so that we could consume to contribute to what the vineyard owner, his purpose and cause. And I think if we're honest, this is where we get screwed up. Can I be honest for a moment? Because I've been a part of this problem, so I'm going to own it. American Christianity in the last generation or so has screwed us up 
Because we, in, in and of ourselves, we've shifted the centrality of the gospel away from the gospel being about how we can get to know an amazing God who is in heaven, high and exalted, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the master of all things, and in his eyes, man, I have nothing. I've done nothing to deserve anything that he has given me. I am absolutely powerless without him. We have shifted the centrality away from us getting to know God to God making my life better. How can God make my life better? And here's the thing. It doesn't sound, don't get me wrong, God loves to bless us. God actually loves to bring healing. God loves to pour things out. It's not about what God isn't. It's about what we expect. Because when our life does not look good, when the, when, 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 when the situation, well, I'm just not as happy as I was. I don't get to do what I want to do. I haven't been what, it hasn't been what I, I've been. We feel justified to start renegotiating the terms with heaven. And start saying, you're not holding up your deal. But the deal was never for him to make our life good. The deal was always for us to know him. And by knowing him, we could stand. By knowing him, we'll bear fruit. By knowing him, life will be abundant. It doesn't, we, it, abundant life doesn't get us to know him. Knowing him helps us to have abundant life. That's the beautiful thing in the midst of this. The master came to look for fruit on the tree. That's what he expected. Leaves and blossoms won't do any longer. Although they add color, I know we're like, Lord, just kind of make me look better. Leaves and blossoms, my friends, won't do it. Because even though they add color to the tree and make it look beautiful, that's not what the master desires. He's looking for fruit. Now, some of us may say, well, Pastor, look, we've been talking about fruit, so can you help, help somebody out and tell me what kind of fruit, right? Because I don't. Anybody not want to be on God's bad side? I, I'm just saying, like, this is a, if God is looking for fruit, I might want to ask the question, God, what you looking for? Which, is, again, is awesome because God actually takes care of that, D, which I love, is that, that these are three, I'm going to give you three types of fruit really quickly that Jesus talks about that are in the word that will help us understand. The first one is simply this, fruit of the spirit. The Bible talks about the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, right, 22, 23. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It's not the work of humanity. The wages of sin is death, but the fruit of the Spirit comes from an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. These things are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? These are great things. But let me just clarify for a moment that these things are not meant for us just to be able to have them in ourselves. I need some joy. I need some peace. I need some, I need some gentleness. No, no, no. These fruits are grown so that they can be the bridge in which into a, a, the bridge by which we bring the kingdom of God into the world around us. They are the bridge. How do we bring the kingdom of God? We love people more. How do we bring the kingdom of God? Because we have to be, we have to, some people require extra patience. Anybody, amen? How many, anybody have extra grace requiring people in your job? Maybe in your, maybe you're sitting next to them, just look straight ahead. Extra grace, right? We, the, those are the, the, the bridge that brings the kingdom of God. That's what the fruit is. Yes, we need peace. Yes, we need joy. It's not 
saying that the, that, the, that the vineyard owner doesn't bring it into our life. But we're not meant to be a consumer. We're meant to be a contributor. It's the bridge. Ezekiel 47 had already given us the picture that when the spirit, uh, the, the river of life, the trees planted by the river of life, when they are attracted, when they are fed by the living water, their fruit will bear every month and will not fail, and their, he- and their leaves will be used for the healing of nations. It's meant to be given away. Fruit of the Spirit. Do we have that? How about the fruit of discipleship? The fruit of discipleship, the fruit of actually making Jesus Lord of our lives, not just Savior, of actually allowing the Word of God and the truth of God to shape us and deal with our blind spots and deal with our issues and actually get to the roots of problems in our life. The, 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 the heartbeat of discipleship, Jesus says in John 15, 4 and 5, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you don't remain in a relationship, a deep relationship with me, if you're not being fed off of me, from me, if I'm not at the core of it, man, your branch will die and I'll cut it off and throw it away. This kind of relationship of discipleship when we're following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, not just a believer. There are a lot of believers in our world. There are a lot of people who believe in God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Well, I believe in God. Believing in God is not being a disciple of Jesus. There's a following. If those who want to be my disciple, they got to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow. There is an intentionality towards this, this thing with Jesus, but it will produce a deeper love for Jesus. It'll produce a deeper, a, a change of perspective of our world. It'll change the heartbeat in which we see people and live out life. It's a way that we get to bring love to God and make our love known to God is when we actually keep his word. Jesus says in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my word and the love of the father will be him and my father will love him. What a great promise. He doesn't say just believe in me. How do we make our love known to God? How do we bridge it? What's the fruit? Discipleship. That's why we've been saying forwards and shoulders, shoulders, so important in our lives. The last fruit is this, the fruit of the Father's business. The fruit of the Father's business. This fig tree was part of the Father's vineyard, which meant it was part of the Father's business. His cause for the welfare of his family. A vineyard owner would grow things that he was meant to sell, meant to give away, meant to be produced. That's why there is, and even in the natural, a disappointment when the tree doesn't produce because there's a lack then of productivity to be able to invest. The business is hurt by the lack of fruit. From the earliest time of Jesus' life, when he was just a little lad, do you remember the story in Luke 2? He's... Uh, He's uh, in Jerusalem with his family, and they can't find him. They left him behind. Each parent thought the other one had him. That's good parenting right there, right? Each one left, thought the other one had him, and they left. They come back to the te- They find him in the temple, and he says, why did you look anywhere else? Why? Did you not know I would be about my father's business? The father's business was the priority of Jesus. Producing fruit for the Father's business was a priority of Jesus. Can we honestly ask ourselves, is producing fruit for the Father's business a priority for us? Not the Father's business blessing us, but us producing fruit to bless the Father's business. 
Here's the good news of all this, and I'm going to wrap up in just a couple of moments, but the good news is that God wants us to bear fruit. Like, God ain't mad at you. He wants us. There's a desire for God. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in this journey. Did you see the vineyard keeper, by the way, which is a picture of Jesus? God the Father is the vineyard owner. The vineyard keeper is Jesus. The vineyard keeper goes before the Father and says, don't pass judgment yet. Hold off. Give him a Selah moment. Let him have a breath for a minute. Let him just recognize the situation. Let him understand the urgency of the moment so that they can understand God. God, he intercedes for us. That's the compassion of the goodness of God. The truth is, my friends, the only thing a tree, the only thing that has no value to a tree, stay with me, listen, we were talking about this this week. The only thing that does not have a value to the tree, D, is its fruit. The only thing that that has no value to the tree itself is fruit. The leaves, they give shade, they take in carbon monoxide and produce oxygen and photosynthesis. They're part of all that. The roots, they give it stability and drag nutrients and water from the soil. The bark gives protection from outside forces and insects. The pulp on the inside is the, uh, uh, the highway in which the nutrients go. It gives it structure. The only thing that does not benefit the tree is the fruit. Isn't it amazing to you that the only thing the master is looking for from you doesn't benefit you? When American Christianity is saying God only wants to, the gospel is how can my life be benefited? And the master says what I'm looking for doesn't benefit you because fruit is either one of two things. It actually is either used to reproduce the tree because it, it holds seed or it's meant to nurture and sustain someone else who's going to pick it off the tree. There is nothing in the fruit, but how good is God that he still wants to utilize you and me. He still wants to put things in you and I that will absolutely reproduce the tree and bless the tree and bless other people around the tree. What a good God we've got. That's the picture of us. And here's the reality, my friends. He's giving us a fourth year. He's giving us a fourth year. Did you notice after three years, and then the, 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 Jesus says, no, no, give him one more year, a fourth year. Now, four is the number of creative new work. Creative new work. There are four seasons. Come on, right? Winter goes to spring, right? There's a new work. Spring goes to summer. There's a new work. After Jesus' three years of ministry, after his three years of ministry, after his three years, the fourth year, he created the church, which was a new work. What the vineyard keeper is trying to produce in you and I is not a better work. It's not a better life. It's not a better attitude. It is a new creative thing that only he can produce inside of you and I that will bring life and change. We've got to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We've got to see the goodness and compassion of a king who says, you know what? I should cut you down because you haven't produced anything. I should get rid of you because you're using up the soil. But I love you so much. I still have hope. I still see something you can't see. I still can create something you can't create in and of yourself. I still want to do it with you. 
What a good God. Jesus, at the end of this chapter, one of the last verses says this. This is the cry at the end of it all. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to you. Oh, how I have longed to gather you under my wings like a mother hen. But you did not want it. Oh, my gosh. God, forgive me for being Jerusalem. God, forgive me for thinking I was the city of God. I had it all together. And you were trying to do something in me. And I said, I'm good, peace. That Greek word there for not willing is to not want to have to experience it. It is literally God saying, I'm coming. I want to do something new in your life. And you're saying, nope. I don't want to experience it. I'm good just the way I am, God. I'm the city of God. I've got it all together. I think like chicks sometimes, we believe our hand is trying to keep us from something. He's not trying to keep you from something. He's trying to get you into something. There's no condemnation in this scripture. Do you hear the heartbeat of God? He's not condemning you. He's saying, recognize, understand the context. The fire is on the floors and the buildings beneath you. I'm not talking about jumping into a pool so we can have a better day today. I'm talking about the reality that we got to get deeper roots. I'm talking about the reality that there are things missing in our life that is going to cause us to not be able to stand when the labor pains get worse. And maybe, maybe we'll be the lucky ones. Maybe we won't be here. Maybe we'll be in heaven already. But maybe we won't be. And maybe your children won't be. And maybe your grandkids won't be. And what lives in us will run in them. And so what we plant in the spirit today gets released and multiplied in generations tomorrow. The reality is, it's going to be dirty work. Here's the reality. Did you see what Jesus said? He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to get to the roots of this bad boy. And come on, let's be honest. I know for me, for me, I'm, I'm happy a lot of times for God to kind of pull the weeds around the tree. I'm happy with God to kind of rake up some of the dead leaves around the trunk. Some of us have more trunk than others right now. Come on. I'm happy, God, could you pull some weeds for me? Just kind of clean up around me. I, I, when people look at me, I don't want them to think I'm unkept. No, no, no. The, vi the, the vineyard keeper said, I'm going to have to get to the root of this issue with you. We're going to get down to some stuff. Are you willing? I mean, it's going to get ugly. You're going to have to look at some stuff you don't want to look at. I've had to look at my own heart on so many things this last year. When our racial implosion started to happen, I said, I'm good. I have a multi-ethnic church. I'm good. Our church has heard me say in my entire life, man, this is the way the kingdom should be. How could I have any racism inside of me? I mean, I played sports my whole life from the time I was little. I was in multi-ethnicity. I was kidding myself. 
I was willing for there to be weeds to be pulled, for, for my life to just, okay, maybe I have some droppings of leaves. No, God, you got to get down to the root of things inside of you. And here's the thing. By finding out some of the roots were bad didn't make me bad. Get over it. It made me less fruitful. I don't want to be less fruitful than my king. I only got years left. I only got a handful. I want to be fruitful than my king. He's not going to deal with surface stuff. Let's get to the root. That's why discipleship's important. Because we will only go so far. Come on, church. We will only go so far. And he said, I'm going to fertilize it. By the way, do you know what that word means? He's going to put poop on you. You're going to get crapped on by God. See, that's what happens, though. Can we be honest? Like, we laugh now, but can we be honest for a moment? Because when we get crapped on by God, we start to renegotiate our terms with God. Because God, the deal in American Christianity is you make my life better. And I'm getting crapped on and crapped on and crapped on. Where are you, God? And he said, I'm the one crapping on you. Why, God, I thought my life was supposed to be better. No, your life's supposed to be fruitful. And I got to fertilize you. Because you didn't let the last season of fertilization work. And the, fertil- and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. But my heart is, I will pour as much fertilizer on you as I have to, to make you what I designed you to be. That's why Paul, it freaks me out when Paul says in Romans 5, I rejoice in my tribulations. Are you freaking kidding me? Does anyone else sometimes want to like slap Paul? Yeah, Paul, we get it. You're a superhero. Uh Uh-huh. I rejoice in my tribulations, glory. No, because he said, but I get it. Because when I go through it, it produces character I didn't have before. And when character is there, hope is there. And you know what hope enables me to do? It enables me to stand. It enables me to stand. Because I don't hope for something. I hope in someone. His name's Jesus. My friends, you and I are not called just to fight the forces of darkness. We're not just called to be salt and light into a world that is in darkness. We are called to stand in the midst of the darkness. That's what D started with in Ephesians 6, verse 13. It says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, we got to get grounded in the word, the belt of truth. we got to put the helmet of salvation on our minds so we think like saved people. Think like, sa- think like saved people. Not American Christians. Not Republican, oh, did I, sorry. Not Democratic, uh, like saved people with the belt of truth, picking up faith, holding the sword of the spirit, being shod in the readiness, being planted in the readiness to share the gospel at every turn with a breastplate that says I am holy and righteous and I will not deviate from that path. 
so that when the evil day, when the evil day, not when the evil one, when the evil day, when the evil day, when the evil day comes, I can stand. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what tree in the vineyard you are. It's not for me to determine. But as your pastor, I'm really glad that my king's willing to dig up some crack, get to some roots in my heart. I'm really glad. I'm not too ashamed to say, you know what? There's not as much fruitfulness in my life as there needs to be. I'm glad he's given me a Selah moment, a breath before the axe falls. Whether that axe falls in the figurative next year or whether, in the literal next year or the figurative next year of season, the axe is at the root of the tree. The fire is in the building. Only you can determine whether or not you are going to be willing to allow the vineyard keeper to do his work. The invitation is yours. You know what, Kay, I just feel like we're supposed to get on our knees. I just want to pray. God, I feel your holy presence. And I don't take it for granted. You could bring wrath. You could bring shame. You could bring guilt. And what you bring today is yourself. God, we repent. We repent. God, I repent. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry for seeing myself as I want to be, not as I am. Spirit fall in this place speak to each and every person show us how we have been false so that we may be true as pastors of this church God we repent for any and all racism that we've let walk through the door and set up it, set up itself and make a home here your word has warned us that that would live inside the walls of the church, not just the world. And God, I pray that you would give us great understanding to burn it out. 
I don't want, God, a church that just welcomes everyone. I want a church that reflects every facet of you because then that means that you are here and that you are us and we are you. God, I pray that our worship changes and our prayers change and our conversations change and the attitudes of our heart change. We need a purging, God. It's the most dangerous prayer that we could pray right now in this life Selah moment. But, oh God, we need a purging. In a time where I just want to hold on to anything that I have left, God, I pray that if there is anything or anyone in my life that I'm not willing to lose for you, God, I would pray that you would give me that one more moment for you to help me dig it out, for you to help me fertilize it with the truth. And if it still seeks to live inside of me, God, I pray that you would take it no matter what it is, no matter if it's this church, no matter if it's my husband, no matter if it's my family, no matter if it's wealth, no matter if it's health, God, if there is anything that I hold more valuable to my life than you and I am not willing to submit it, I pray that you would take it. I cannot afford anything between you and me. These days, God, they are numbered. And I understand that in those days, anything less than you and me will fail me. I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, God, for being a part of building a church instead of disciples. God, I pray. Oh, teach us, Father, how to help people be disciples in these days. Not merely believers, but disciples. God, I pray for a pure fire. A pure fire to come over this place. Jesus. And God, I thank you for the ears that you have sown into this word today, God. It is a difficult word if we resist repentance, but oh God, how thankful I am that you have brought my attention to you this morning. God, I pray that we will seek your face and that we will turn and we will repent and we will know you in spirit and in truth that we will bring true honor to who you are when everyone sees us and when no one sees Mm. us we will bring honor to each other and to you you know my friends with while we're still praying the bible says if we repent which means we turn around and walk the other way That if we come back to the Father, no matter how far we've been, that he runs to us with arms wide open. Maybe today, if you're honest with yourself, you have been far from God. Maybe, maybe you've never actually been close to him. 
don't you love the compassion of God that still has given you breath day and day and made mercy new every morning and every morning, even when we were far from him, even when we didn't know him, even when we were doing our own thing and rebelling and revolting, whatever it is that we've been in, can I just tell you, your God loves you so much. It, it, it's, it's the heartbeat of, of, of Jesus that said, Father, just give me some more time. Let the Spirit work in them some more. Let me just absolutely speak grace and peace. Let me bring them into the church for a moment. Let me introduce them to that person. Let, 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 me, let me bring a, a man or a woman of faith around them. Let, let me bring their child to Jesus, Lord. Let, let me just, Father, give me a few more moments with them. What a great God we have that has brought you to this moment today. No matter how far you are, whether it's been a few steps back or whether you're miles away, the Bible simply says if you will turn and come to him today and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, that a new work will be created in you today. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to just pray this prayer with me. And as we started today, we're not praying to each other. We're praying to a God that loves us and a God that is able to move mountains, a God that was able to raise the dead, a God who was able to forgive any sin and every sin. There's nothing that we have done that can keep him from us. Fruit starts with one thing. Repenting and asking Jesus to be Lord of it all. Giving him full permission. That's what I'm inviting you to pray with me right now. So we're all going to pray it together, but if that's you today, pray it from the bottom of your heart. And the vineyard keeper will respond. Just cry out. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, here I am today. Here I am today. I need you. I need you. All of you. All of you. I'm holding nothing back. I'm holding nothing back. I'm willing today. I'm willing today. To surrender my whole life. Surrender my whole life. Everything I have. Everything I have. All that I am. All that I am. All that I ever will be. All that I ever will be. I willingly surrender to you. I willingly surrender to you. I trust in your love today. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. To forgive me of all of my sin. I repent and turn away. And I run to you now. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for producing your fruit in me. I choose you above it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Oh, to him I freely I will ever love and trust him in 
His presence daily I surrender all. I surrender all. All to him, my blessed Savior. God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Holy Spirit, fall. Fill afresh and anew. Let your church, your vineyard, your trees be fruitful. Let us be willing to be picked, Lord God, from people in our families, and our friendships, our neighborhoods, our marketplace, our locker rooms, Lord God, our, 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 our gyms. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I thank you that your word says that your fruit will never fail month in and month out, that we don't have to worry that as we give it away that we'll run out. Father, I thank you that you are a God of overflow. I thank you that, you're, that you pour into us so that our cup overflows with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray a fresh breath over all this room today. I pray, Lord God, that you fill us with the Holy Spirit like never before, that for some of us for the first time that we may be filled to the top of like to the to the overflowing of the brim with the Holy Ghost today in the name of Jesus we pray for fruit we pray for life we pray for health where there is sickness we speak health in Jesus name where there is fear we speak faith in Jesus name Father, where there is rebellion, we speak mercy in the name of Jesus Christ. Where there is addiction, we speak freedom in Jesus' name. We break the bonds of the lies of the enemy that have creeped in and brought rot into the, into the roots of our life, Lord God. And we claim the healing of Jesus, top to bottom. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord of this house. And we choose you. We choose you. We choose you. And in faith and in celebration and in glory, the church together, as we've just proclaimed that from our lips, we choose Jesus. Can we say together, amen? And amen. And can we give God just a shout for a moment for all that he's done, all that he is, the glory of our King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord God. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise from heaven and from earth, Lord God. Father, let our praise arise to you. There is no one like our King who rides on a white horse with King of kings and Lord of lords written on his legs. There is none like our King. 
who out of his mouth proceeds the sword of God. There is none like our king. He is the lion and the lamb. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He spoke it in the beginning. He'll fulfill it at the end. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the completer of all. Even death couldn't hold him down, my friends. We don't serve a philosophy, an ideology, or a mythology. We serve a living Savior who died and rose again and is coming back. That's what we proclaim in the church. You want good ideology? Turn on Tony Robbins. He'll tell you how to have a better life. In here, we're going to tell you there's a king who died for you. There's a king who rose again. It's not a myth. And there's a king who was coming back one day. And we are in the labor pains of that moment. The floor may not be on fire yet, but the building is. Your kids need it. Your coworkers need it. You got some fruit they need to pick. You got some gifts they need to receive. They've got some love they need to experience. Because Mingle.com ain't doing it. And the promotion they got didn't do it. And getting back together with their friends after the pandemic still leaves a void. There's something only this king can do. There's something only this vineyard can do. I'm not just talking about connect. I'm, come on. I'm talking about the house of God. And I'm glad if you're online today, I'm so glad that you're watching. I'm glad that you got to be a part of it. But can I tell you, there's something powerful about being in the vineyard, in the house. There's something powerful. So, guys, we're, we're, we're going to, I know we, we told you today it was going to be different. But this is actually, this is why we changed church. We didn't do this so that we could just have a new way to grow church. We did this because we want to be the church. It's a little uncomfortable, isn't it, looking at each other? Because like in worship now, before you could hide in the back, you could lift your hands, ain't nobody see you. But now everybody sees you. And before, you could sit off to the side and be like, amen, and somebody said, oh, I don't know who said that over there, but now everybody sees you. But if we can't lift our hands in here where we love each other and say amen in here where we love each other, how can we stand out there? We want to teach you to stand. To stand. What, baby? I know we got to let them go. <laughs> we got to take offering first, though. Hallelujah. See, somebody say amen. We got to take offering first. Amen. There we go. I got three amens. Can I get a four? Can I get a four? Number four, nine. Oh, we get a five. Five over here. <laughs> I got a four, Laura. Five, Laura. So I got to give you four. Oh, man. Hey, look. Um, we are going to take offering because offering is part of worship, isn't it? It's part of not being a consumer. Shouldn't even have, I'm not even going to give you a scripture today. Don't need to give you a scripture. The scripture was, you in the vineyard, be a contributor, not a consumer. Somebody say amen, right? That's it. So 
Um, we, we know no. that some of you were, um, we heard you. The, <laughs> the envelopes, we realized we just had the, the kiosks. So you were having to finish church, then go get the envelope, then come sit back down. So there's ottomans around you. Somewhere around you, there are ottomans. And there should be envelopes, a couple pens, so that you don't have to do that anymore. The envelope looks like this. I pr- I'm pretty sure everybody knows what an envelope looks like. So <laughs> um, there's a giving envelope there, and you can look at the screens, and there's ways that you can give right on your phone. Um, we're not sending anything around to yeah. collect the offering. Um, we would just ask you to be faithful and drop it at one of the kiosks that's at the doors when you're leaving. Yeah, and just do me one favor. Don't leave it on your seat. Because somebody left like 40 bucks on the seat the other day, which was nice, but. <laughs> yeah. Part of, the, part, of the, part of the giving into the kiosk for us, and now I know that we do on the phone, but there is something that reminds me that this is me with God when I actually put it into something. No, absolutely. So we thank you for, for doing that. And we d- yeah. I want to actually, w- while you do, because we're, we're out. Yeah, of yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, you, you can, uh, I know that it's up there, yeah. but you give on your phone, and that's what I'm doing. I'm not reading text right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give on my phone. But before we go, I wanted to say one thing, particularly about shoulder to shoulder. If, you're, if you have a come to shoulder to shoulder, give a good old whoop whoop. Okay. <laughs> All right. I actually am the um, person that's teaching this week. So um, it's so funny how God sometimes uh, kind of intertwines what he ends up sharing here on a platform wh- and what he does with Forged and with Shoulder to Shoulder. And this week, I think you may notice in particular that we talk uh, in Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our in-depth discipleship study. We're going through the book of Philippians right now. And we talk about like what remains, what will remain, and, and how do we count the value of what remains in our lives. So if you haven't been a part of Shoulder to Shoulder before, you can jump in. It's not one of those things like you can't come in once the train goes out. Right. We, we're at a stop every week. <laughs> so this is you. This can be your week to join. And if we do have a, the link tree, and if, if, we, if we can put that slide up, if not, you can go on our social media there's always a link tree there that will get you be, to be able to sign up. So that you, because what happens is, is that we do a teaching video, and sometimes it's not me. It's, 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 it's a bunch of our different ladies, but we do a teaching video, and we send it to you in your email so you can watch it at your convenience whenever it works for you. And then we have groups that meet virtually online all throughout the week, and then you get to be able to come together and talk about what has been stirring in you since you watched the video. It's really simple, well, but it's don't very... Don't piggy all the... Look, you, you, you piggied all the, the, the discipleship talk. It's like it's only shoulder to shoulder. That's because men, you, we, men, men have forged. You piggied all the prayer time. I did, I did, so I did. But, but we have I'm forged. <laughs> hey, just really quickly, guys. Uh, men, we have the same thing as the ladies do. Uh, matter of fact, I do all the teaching uh, on the videos. Uh, and you, wa- you watch it at your leisure. Then we get together via Zoom right now uh, in different groups to actually dig into this and apply it to our lives. It is not about information. It's about transformation. So it's not just like, hey, I want to just learn more about the Bible. You will, but you will, will learn. It's not, we say all the time, it's not getting through the book. It's getting the book into us. And uh, that's what it is. And we need each other. It's really good. Um, and so you can go to Linktree and sign up for that. Uh, there's groups that meet uh, all throughout the week. So can you pray us out? Yeah, amen. Father, I thank you that your goodness is known in the land of the living. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for always embracing us when we turn back to you and toward you. And God, I pray that you would begin to um, minister this one-on-one with everybody in this room, 
once they even leave. Yes. That nothing is ending right now. This is actually now the time where you begin to have earnest, personal conversations with people in this place. So God, I pray that you would speak and that people would be assured that it's your voice mm. that is speaking to them and they would get to know the spirit of God's voice like never before. And I pray, God, that people leave today maybe less burdened than they came this morning when they arrived. In your name, God, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Beautiful church. God we bless you, church.